The rule of three states, things that come in threes are inherently more appealing than those that don't. With the next generation GMC Sierra, Canyon, and Sierra Heavy Duty, we couldn't agree more. Whether you choose to have the world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate available only on the next generation GMC Sierra, to confidently take on heavy loads with the available 6.6-liter V8 Duramax turbo diesel in the GMC Sierra Heavy Duty, or to get behind the wheel of the only mid-size premium pickup on the road, the GMC Canyon, you'll realize all three help you do one thing, go professional grade. During GMC's Truck Month, qualified buyers can get 0% APR financing on most 2019 GMC Sierra and Canyon models. Truck Month, like a pro, GMC. Excludes Sierra 1500 AT4 and Denali models and Canyon SL models. Length of contract limited. Some customers will not qualify. Not available with some other offers. Take retail delivery by 531.19. See dealer for details. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're about to listen to an episode of The Tour Coach, which is going to give you an inside look at coaching golf at the very highest level from on the PGA Tour with my guys all the way to here at Mobile, Alabama in the Dew Sweeper Dome as we help folks of all skill levels, all walks of life, learn to achieve their golfing goals. Hey, it is uh, Cordy Walker here. Uh, you'll recognize me, I hope, from the first episode if you listen to that. And we are a handful of shows in, and we thought that we'd come back on and chat about how the tour coach has been going so far. Tony, welcome back from the Zurich. Yes, sir. It's uh, exciting. I mean, I, I got to tell you, Cordy, when we started doing this, as you know, I was a little, you know, cautious, wasn't necessarily sure how much, you know, if it was something I was going to totally love doing or whatever, but I have really gotten into doing this. And I also, I think anytime you start a new, you know, a new direction, if you will, you know, you're not sure how people are going to receive it. And the response from people Instagramming me, direct messaging me, tweeting me, texting me, whatever. And the number of people as it's grown each week, you know, including like people that we know in the golf industry, whether it's yeah. Luke at golf.com or, you know, Matt Rudy at Golf Digest that are giving it great talking about how cool it is and the insight and that they love it has, has made this even more fun and more rewarding to do. Oh, for sure. I, I love kind of the perspectives that you're pulling out. And just so folks know, our goal is to kind of like bounce back and forth with players and then like people that you work with as resources and whatnot. So like we're trying to get some different perspectives and there's been some really cool stuff like you know obviously having lucas on i wrote a little little bit on that i was just like it's so cool just to hear kind of how you guys started working together and then the biggest thing that you actually had to to change to get him to start hitting the ball a little better and uh spoiler it was it was alignment and stuff like that but it's just it like it's been fun to hear those insights and stuff that you've pulled out from from these and again you know when we when we tape these things anything could happen right i mean you know yep. i could go on sometimes and win or guy could miss the cut by 20 and you feel like you didn't do anything but you know we had one of our better sessions in a while and i think it, you know people are like you know isn't every lesson good and i i mean i don't think every one of them is or every time we work but you know this monday at the zurich i i felt like we had one of our best sessions in a long time and um you know, we worked longer than we've worked in a while. It just worked out the way every, you know, the way everybody got into town. You had Sepp and Tom playing in the Monday Pro-Am. And so, you know, you're not going to get a whole lot done on a golf course with a guy in a Pro-Am. So, you know, I kind of got there and a little after lunch, it's not a long drive, obviously, from Mobile over to 
New Orleans and Lucas got there for lunch. And so we went down to the end of the range and worked and, you know, coming off of a miscut at, at the heritage and which is a place he loves to play and sets up good for him and didn't play well. Just one of those, you know, I call it an outlier week. I mean, just, I mean, hell, sometimes you're just not going to hit it good. And so, you know, I really went back oddly enough to our first lesson. And, you know, I kind of was going through notes like I like to do and just, you know, I keep notes on my phone and, and, um, you know, I just started going back through things and I was like, you know, let's kind of declutter and simplify things. We'd done a lot of forward swing work with Lucas in the past, you know, starting at the end of the summer and it had paid big dividends. He'd played some fantastic golf, but I think there's a, as a coach, I mean, sometimes I think we push things too far or we, you know, maybe overcomplicate things and then, you know, he's had such a great first part of the year and through the Florida swing. But, you know, as I started looking at stats in February, March, April, I mean, you know, he hadn't driven it as good as he's used to and accustomed to. So I was like, let's declutter this thing and get back to some of the things that, that he does that, that made him play really well and really got him turned around in the right direction when we started working. And so I went back to the first lesson, which was really just his posture at address and getting his hip set correctly underneath him, which allows him to turn a little better into his right hip going back. And, you know, if you listen to the podcast a couple weeks ago or whatever, you heard Colby too. Yeah. So, you know, I immediately said to Colby, Hey, we're going back to really getting him to turn into his right ass cheek and get wound up and get his posture. And then, and so, you know, Lucas was like, Oh, I know what Colby's going to hammer me on in the gym now, but we're working together as a team. And so just going back to that and, and so it was, it was awesome. I mean, he, he striped it. It helped shallow it out and his driving on the golf course, you know, the days I was with him there was back to being just the way he likes to hit it, being able to hit it high, hit it low, but get it to draw when he wants to hit it hard. He wasn't losing it right. And so, you know, I think it's a good lesson to sometimes, you know, sometimes don't overcomplicate things and go back to as teachers. I think we have to go back to things that work for a player and not get you know, maybe not overcomplicate things and taking him back to something that was very familiar from the beginning of when we worked and declutter things helped, uh, helped him. And he felt very positive. Love it. Well, we're recording it before the weekend here. So I I hope that they do well and that that pays off. The last week with Colby, you mentioned him there, really cool kind of working relationship that you guys have because Colby can really help you get players moving better so they can actually do some of the things that you want to see. And I've seen that happen like real time. It's amazing how fast it it can, it can happen, but that was a really cool podcast sitting down with him just to kind of hear about that. He just speaks so like clearly and so logically about things, which is really nice because I feel like fitness is often feels a bit confusing to us golf folks. He just brings a great perspective. Yeah. And, and again, I think, you know, he works hand in hand with me, with the players we work together and he makes them more able to do what I'm trying to get them to do quicker and easier. And, you know, the things I like about it, that is, you know, the relationship with him. I think obviously if you listen to us, you can tell we, one, we enjoy working together and we have a lot of respect for each other, but you know, also we we're good friends and care about each other. And so, you know, we work hand in hand really well and, and he's able to help, you know, several of my guys and Tom Lovelady is another one who, you know, I told you before we started this, you know, sometimes I don't think scores are indicative of where a player is and in a results driven business, sometimes that's hard to go by. 
and it's sometimes hard to get a player to understand that. But Tom's worked really hard recently with Colby in the gym, getting back to getting his body more stable, stronger, more able to do some of the things that, that he needs to do. And, you know, when I watch and we've also gotten on the same page with working on just a couple things in his golf swing. And I think that when you do that, you know, we're starting to see some things on the range and on the golf course in practice that we haven't seen in a while. And like the good shots are so good. And, you know, I'm seeing things that like, even though maybe the results over two, three weeks, four weeks haven't been what a person looking on would say, oh, maybe the guy's not playing good or you're not on the right track. But like, I really feel like we're more on track than we've been in a very long time based on the things I'm seeing with him in the gym, the things I'm seeing with him on the golf course and the things I'm seeing with him, how him and his caddy Matt are working and so forth. And so I think, you know, I, I felt great about the work that I did with Tom both this past week and the week before even in Prattville. And so, you know, and I think that, but that, you know, talking about lessons, I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes the results aren't where you want them yet, but you feel like they're headed in the right direction. And heck, sometimes you, a guy scoring pretty good, but you can tell that it's not, you know, maybe it's headed the other way. So talking about Colby last week on the podcast, Sep was on and you guys talked about how he's not somebody to necessarily work with Colby and you haven't pushed that. Is that still the case that he's not somebody that you're, you're pushing him? Cause that's just not his, I don't know his thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't look, I mean, one, they're the CEOs of the business, right? I mean, I'm like a paid consultant and, or whatever. And, and so, you know, when the situation arises, you know, if, if I felt like that was something drastically needed and I, I would suggest it, but you know, look, the guy plays golf seven days a week. He's a, Sep is a golf fanatic. He plays tons of golf. He walks all the time. I mean, he's in, I think he's in far better, you know, uh, he's in good golfing shape. He hits the ball a long way and that's his preference. So I really look at each player and each person is an individual in an individual case. And, and while I have, you know, several guys that work with Colby and, and, uh, you know, I've had a player, you know, work with guys like Randy Myers for like, they're all individuals. And so whatever's the best fit for them, just, you know, had guys like obviously Greg Carton's coming on the, on the podcast. And I do a lot with Greg, but I've had guys and girls work with Brett McCabe and other people that are great at what they do. You know, you, so you have to, I think one of the, prerequisites or one of the things to being successful in this business is is finding what's right for each individual player. In fact, Greg and I were walking together at the Zurich right before we taped that thing that you put out. Actually, yeah. and and it was, you know, he was saying that you, you know, when you get to be a coach and you get to the point where you're able to say like, hey, you know, I I'm not the right guy for this or I'm not a good fit for that player. That's when you're in a good place because you, you realize you can't help necessarily everybody or you're not the right guy for everybody. And early on, you want to, you want to try to teach everybody because you want the business. But you know, I'm in a, and I'm not saying I'm any better than anybody else, but you know, I'm at a point now where I, like, I kind of know the people that I think I'd be a good fit with. And so I think that's a good place for me to be and then helping the individual find what's right for them. And so for SEP, I don't think that necessarily working with Colby is would be the best best fit for him or what he needs right now you know but he's swinging the golf club great we had I went to Birmingham last week and 
worked with him a little bit. And I mean, he's in an awesome spot in the fact that he's swinging the golf club beautifully. He knows what he's trying to do. And the golf club, you know, when you look at it in video and in pictures and whatever, it hits all the spots that he likes it to be in. I like it to be in. You know, it's just a matter of continuing to become more comfortable, continuing to improve things and, you know, finishing weekends off and things like that, just taking care of details. So I feel like, you know, in regards to all three of those guys, I feel like we're, I mean, I could be wrong and everybody starts shooting 85, but like, I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the work over the past few months is, is starting to, we're starting to see things turn the corner and we're, or we're starting to see guys where I, I wouldn't be surprised if, Either one of them won this week or next week or whatever. You know, they're going to play golf courses that set up good for them. They're all three of them very good drivers of the golf ball long. And, you know, they're all good ball strikers. And, you know, you look at Quail Hollow and you look at the places coming up, you know, set up good for them. So, uh, so I feel, you know, if talking about the work we've done, I feel good about it. This week, Greg Carton, where do we start with Greg? I don't even know. In a hotel room, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, so Greg, is one he's fun but he also is a friend and and you know somebody that I bounce lots of things other than golf off of you know and so we roomed together this was taped down at Innisbrook and I bounce things off of him and players off of him and often you know he may talk to a player very informally like he's not necessarily just working with them or whatever but like he's he's great to give some perspective to players on the mental coaching side so he's a valuable asset and we were staying together at a at a Hampton Inn and Suites there in Palm Harbor and we went out to dinner and we had a, a good bit of wine at a, a really good restaurant down there and came back and taped this podcast so it's uh it's entertaining probably <laughs> I can't wait yeah I mean Greg I I've learned more from Greg I mean gosh so many things were golf right but then also I mean everything is just applicable to life as well I kind of I guess to sum up his approach would be like a mindfulness approach towards performance I hope that doesn't sound intimidating it's just a kind of approach to performing well an approach to life so you get some understanding and frameworks that help you uh, help you navigate that better and um, it is extremely valuable and very useful in a lot of different applications. So Greg is just a, an awesome resource to learn from and someone who I really enjoy spending time with. To And there was a good, you know, this is kind of stepping outside of my team or whatever, but I, you know, I think it's funny. Uh, there was an article on ESPN a couple weeks ago or a week ago about Greg Popovich and the expensive dinners and taking the team out to dinner. And Lucas actually sent the link to me. He was like, you need to read this. And it was pretty cool because it went into detail and I'm a big Spurs fan and a Popovich. I love, you know, great coaches. And, but, um, obviously, you know, I sent it to Greg and Greg's like, well, his budget's a little different than the one I'm operating on with these expensive, <laughs> you know, $15,000 dinners with taking the players. But I thought it was, you know, anybody listening and if they've read it or if they, or if they haven't yet ought to go because it's very similar to the, I think, the things that we're trying to do, which is build relationships, build a culture where everybody helps each other out. And, you know, the dinner and the sitting down to dinner is a big thing, is a big thing for me. In fact, in New Orleans, you know, Zurich week's always, my birthday always falls during that week. And so me and Sepp and Tom and Joey Garber, who I don't work with, who works with Scott Hamilton, but is a great guy, good friend of Sepp's and a buddy of Tom's and Tom's girlfriend, we all went to Irene's one night and, you know, had a fantastic over the top dinner, lots of wine, 
great stuff. I probably didn't feel my best the next day on the tee, but it was awesome, you know, and, and we look forward to that week of Zurich. So I do so much because of the food and the experience, but just tying those thoughts together and had a great dinner with Lucas and Greg and, and Lucas's wife, like, you know, the, on the Monday night, you know, so I think that's a, it was a cool article to kind of tie to take this into another sport, but like the idea of the dinner and the meal and that we all get together, that builds that relationship, I think is important in what we do. Tony, yeah, it's good talking to you. Let's get into this with Greg. All right. Sounds great. Hey, everyone. If you like free golf gear and specifically Vineyard Vines, which is amazing stuff, we have a giveaway for you. First off, thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm really enjoying the tour coach and I hope that it's become part of your weekly routine as well. And we want to help more people find the show, but we need your help. Here's how. Post a screenshot of the Tour Coach podcast episode that you're enjoying the most and tag at Golf Science Lab or Tony at the Dew Sweeper Instagram or Twitter are the two places to do that. Post these photos of your favorite episode, tag us, and you are entered to win a Dew Sweeper Vineyard Vines polo and a $100 gift card for Vineyard Vines. Does it get any better than that? So help us share this show. You have two weeks to enter, so limited time. And the more times that you post, the more entries you get. Let's do this. So sitting here, everybody wants to know what it's like on the road. We're in a Hampton Inn, <laughs> room 218 in uh, Tarpon Springs, Florida, with the good doctor, Dr. Greg Carton, who, uh, yeah, obviously over the years, I've had you on the radio show a ton of times. We've worked together on a bunch of joint projects of players. We've worked together... So many times at junior camps, you've helped me with juniors and stuff. So I thought, well, we got to bring him on the podcast. But uh, so, Greg, welcome in to the coach. Thanks, Tony. It's great uh, to be <laughs> talking in a little bit different environment here. We're we're on the road. We're not at a camp. We're not. Uh, we've had red wine in the studio. Yeah, we've had a little wine, and uh, this is what real life is like on tour. I mean, shout out first of all to the Casa Loda. What is it? Uh, Casa Vita. Lodovico? Lodovico, yeah. Lodovico. Casa Lodovico, which is where, I mean, I think really more than anything. It's the best restaurant Best restaurant down here. And Italian restaurant. And on top of that, our picture taken there, me, you, Lucas Glover, Tom Lovely, that's your golf magazine, one of their top 25 photos of the year. It's the first time I think we've ever felt like we were models. (laughs) Sport models, right? So, um, shout out to them. But uh, anyway, so another great dinner there. But uh, so we're we're hanging out. You know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is so I I involve you. I believe in a team atmosphere for me because I think there's so many aspects to helping somebody play good, achieve what they want to achieve. That there's no way. That me as a teacher, a golf coach or teacher could help them do all that. And so I try to give, you know, with its, with, whether it's juniors or college players, give them access to the people that are the best. And then when it comes to professionals, I think, you know, obviously there's so many selections out there. But if somebody doesn't have somebody, I obviously refer them to you because we work well together. But I think it's important to have somebody to talk to when you're out there trying to learn to play. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the team approach or, or surrounding yourself with people you trust, especially out here, is so important. 
the tours the circus there's so many pressures there's so much so many demands but being able to sort of center yourself with the people that you trust and getting a consistent message from wh- whether it's your teacher your sports psychologist or performance coach trainer chiropractor your agent whatever it may be everyone's part of that team and and just reinforcing that consistent message and providing a little bit of comfort when you're out here so important to these guys and you know but kind of before we get into like golf psychology and the the tour player let's talk a little bit about developing players you know i think there's no reason now for a good young player a junior or a high school player a college player to start assembling their team i mean that you know i did i wasn't didn't used to be a fan of that but then i was like you know what we try to teach kids what the tour players are doing on a golf swing right why wouldn't we try to teach players coming up what the best players in the world do? And so sure. whether it's exposing them to Colby Touye or Morgan training them or whether it's you with the mental coach or, you know, even as far as a performance coach like Mac Barner, whatever it is, you know, give people access to a team around them. I think I don't think it hurts to do it even at an early age. No, I- it doesn't at all. As long as the kids are getting a consistent message, I think it can be really beneficial. The more people you have to ask questions, to learn from, I think it can only benefit the kids. For me, when I work with kids, the most important message to get across is they need to be able to support themselves. Because the biggest problem, and I think this is with all athletes, is that they're too hard on themselves. So getting kids to learn how to support themselves at a young age is so beneficial. Golf is such a grind. It's such a hard game mentally, physically, that if they're unable to support themselves, it's going to be a long road. So anyone that can help them reinforce that message, it's going to be crucial to their development. No doubt, 100% agree. And we've talked before. I mean, to me, that's a hard lesson to share with people is that they have to support themselves. Every level I go to watch, I still try to watch some junior golf, high school golf, little college golf, and obviously professional golf. And, you know, very seldom is it that you walk up and you can watch a person and not know exactly how they're doing. I was at the Monday qualifier today, and it couldn't have been highlighted more. You didn't even have to know what they shot. You could tell right away based on their body language, based on the way they handled themselves. It's just, you know, the guys that were playing well were – kept moving and were confident and had their heads high. The guys that weren't were not slamming clubs, but, you know, their heads were down. You could just tell by their body language right away that, you know, where they stood in the tournament. And and that's, this is the highest level in golf in, in the world. So for kids to be able to learn this message is so powerful. And I think for me, and I, I've... For any person, though, for, really. For any, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, anybody that's trying to play better. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. if they learn that... Uh, if it's freedom. That's right. It is freedom. It is. When you know that regardless of the result, and a lot of players, a lot of golfers tie their identity and their self-worth to their result, right? So if you- Don't you think even tour players do that? No, totally. Yeah. Everybody, everyone that plays the game, if I play well, people treat me nice. If I don't, it's a different story. If you can separate those two, if you can break that sort of connection and- allow players to play without the fear of how it's going to feel after, regardless of the result, 
you can start to develop some freedom. And then when you take that away, you can proceed with much more freedom. If you know that regardless of how you play, at the end, you're going to be okay, it's a lot easier to play the game. And the game is hard enough as it is. But if you're beating yourself up and you're your own worst enemy, you have no chance. It was a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago. I had a retreat in Mobile, Alabama at the Dome, and which I do on occasion. And I like to bring in players of all skill level. We had uh, some really, really good juniors. We had three or four kids that are going to play in the SEC, a kid that should be going to play major college golf when his recruiting's done. We had a couple young guys that are just finding their way to play professional golf after graduating from school and have had some Canadian status. And we had a guy in Luke Guthrie who has had success on the PGA Tour but got lost and finding his way back. And folks that have listened to this podcast have heard Luke. And I thought it was interesting because the work scenario was you had myself and Scott Lynn. We were working with them on their full swing and their golf swing. And obviously they left with some stuff to work on that. Morgan Hale worked with some of them on some fitness, but you would just occasionally, I really don't know what the hell you did, to be honest. I mean, now I'm trying to figure out why we paid you. Well, actually, we hadn't paid you yet. You hadn't gotten the check. But, we hadn't paid yet. But, like, on a, each person made a comment to me afterwards by text about what a great weekend they had and how much they got out, and they mentioned all of us, and they mentioned you specifically by name. But you would take players out on the golf course and so or on the north nine there and you would talk I don't hell, I don't really know what the hell you did, Greg. I I'll mean, let you in on a little secret. You didn't do we anything? Did. We didn't do anything. No. My goal in those situations, regardless of the level, is to let players know that they already possess enough mental skill to succeed. The issue comes w- with everyone really in thinking that they need to think a different way. And when players think that they need to think like somebody else, that is what I would refer to as resistance. So whenever you're standing in the golf course and you think that you're not thinking the right way, you're resisting yourself. And what resistance does is cause tension. And nobody can play golf with tension. To create freedom, you need to know that regardless of what you're thinking, it's going to be okay. So a lot of that work, when we just went around and played a few holes together, is to let these players know, these kids, these professionals, whoever they are, know that whatever they're thinking is okay, as long as they're not resisting themselves. There's no right way to think, but there are wrong ways to think. And the wrong way to think is when you start to question yourself. I'm not thinking the right things. I'm not prepared. I'm not mentally tough enough. And once you start doing that, you're creating tension for yourself. So almost giving these guys permission to think whatever they want can be quite liberating. And that's was my that's my goal when I take guys in the course is to give them that permission. You can think whatever you want as long as you're not resisting yourself. And that's how you create freedom. And freedom to me from a golf teacher is an amazing thing. When a player feels free, the results, I've watched it firsthand watched it with players you watch when they get to the point to where i mean it's obvious you can see that they're not playing to where if they play good or bad it has some worth attached to it but they're just playing golf they're just playing 
So that's it. That, that's that's the word. You, you're just playing. You're not playing to achieve something. You're not playing to win. You're not playing to get money. You're not playing to beat somebody. You're just playing like kids. So I'll bring clients all the time down the range and watch kids swing. They're just playing golf, right? They'll hit bad shots. They'll, they'll shoot bad scores, but they're just playing. And they're, they're playing with freedom. And the drill we do sometimes, we've done on the course or on the range, is... This is so good. I dude. feel like kids get so... Or, or not all golfers get so target-oriented that it creates so much tension, right? So we have them pick a very specific target and hit specific shots, and we watch their swing, and it looks very forced, right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to achieve something. And then we provide them with two points where they have to hit the ball in between, like the opposite sides of of the range. Where you couldn't miss it. You can't miss it. And their swings are so pure and so free. And they hit it straight. And that's it's the best lesson to sort of teach golf is this idea that you're not trying to hit good shots. You're trying to make free swings. And when you can do that, we know enough. We've developed enough skill, these players or any player really, to hit good shots. But to hit good shots, you have to access that skill. And to access that skill, you have to be free. So the more specific, I think, the target you pick, the more tension you create. Just swing. As if you were teeing one up in the beach and trying to hit it into the ocean. All right, that's the image. Or I guess the best, the more golf-related image or example is, you know, when guys have to lay up on a par five. All you got to do is hit it like 130 yards down the fairway. And you strike it. Yeah. Oh, it's the best shot you've hit all day. Or if you're playing a hole that you haven't played and it's a blind tee shot, you don't know where it needs to go. You just step up and hit it. And I think those. How many times do those shots end up getting somebody in trouble because they've hit them too far? They hit them too good. They've hit them too good. Right. That's exactly right. Or they've hit them into this little neck in a fairway where they would never have tried to hit it if they knew where they were supposed to hit it. And there's so many examples like that, that it's become clear to me that the less we try to control where we're hitting the ball, the more freedom we create and the better shots we hit. You know, so when I, when I peruse and look through golf instruction now, oftentimes I'm disappointed and makes me go listen to Todd Snyder music and drink wine, right? You know, where am I going now that I'm gone? But anyways, you know, I strive, I think you know this, we've been around each other so much. If you look at the golf bags in my teaching building, and you know most all the guys I teach, but everybody swings different. Mm-hmm. Sure. And our goal is to help them get where they're going. Yep. And I tell people this all the time. I had a parent not long ago, and you'll find this, and, and, and ended up not being referred to you. But a, a person from actually Mississippi came to me, and, and a, we were talking about the different things that the person needed, and I... And I said, you know, like the whole idea is, you know, you don't want somebody that tells every single person the same thing. Sure. You want somebody that gets to know you, yep. understands you, cares about you, and helps you. And this sure. person said, well, I've used the psychologist in Hattiesburg, Mississippi for a while, and they don't do a lot of golf performance stuff, but, man, they've really helped me. Yeah. What do you think? I'm like, why the hell would you quit using them? Sure. Right? They care yeah. about you. That's it. They know you. They're giving you what you need. Sure. And I think that I think that it's like I and I and Greg, I don't know. I guess as money gets bigger on the PGA tour and everything in sports, like you see more people on social media throw their everybody everybody's a performance coach. Everybody is a golf coach. Everybody's a swing coach. Everybody's but like I still get down to like 
you want to go the the one of the reasons that I refer people to you. I've said this a bunch of times, and I want you to talk about it. Is every time I've sent somebody to you, and when from the times I've used you, is everybody always comes back with the same thing. And don't take this like you have a drinking problem, <laughs> but <laughs> but like I feel like I'm just sitting having a beer with him, and he's getting to know me. That's right. And to me, that's a really cool thing because like. I don't want a presentation. I don't want a canned spiel. I mean, I think that's what you want in a performance coach. I think. And so for me, that's a big deal. Yeah. It's the most important piece is the relationship piece. And that goes for coaches too, right? Like you could know the most of more than anybody about the swing and how to teach it. But if who you're working with doesn't trust you, it doesn't matter. And the same goes for what we do. It's getting to know somebody first. And I tell that to clients all the time. Look, we might not get into any of this performance stuff for a while. It, we we got to get to know each other a little bit first. We'll take guys on the golf course or we'll go to dinner, we'll have coffee. Getting to know somebody and building the relationship, building rapport, building trust. And I learned this first week I was in school studying counseling psychology was this idea that you need to be a good listener. You need to listen to what someone's saying. And sometimes that's not. <laughs> Being a good listener is, is more than half of it. it it's just l- listening to someone talk. Because most of the time, people are ready to tell you what you they think instead of just listening. And sometimes I'll have sessions with people half an hour. I won't say a word. I say, wow, that was awesome. I didn't do anything. Yeah, but they were able to sort of connect and talk and, and feel like they were heard. And that, to me, is the most important piece of, th- of this work. That's what I was going to ask you. So how important, when it comes to improving performance, mm-hmm. I mean, so I listen to you. I listen to you with players. I hear what the players say to me because I don't sit in on all of it. We talk, but it seems that a lot of the answers to improving performance, the person has themselves. Yeah, it's empowering these people to, or giving them that permission almost to believe in themselves. And to know that they have enough already and to know that they don't have to do something else and know that they don't have to fix everything all like every time something goes wrong, that they're on the right path and that they believe in themselves and that they have people that support them and that nobody's trying to fix them all the time. Because once you try to fix somebody a lot, they feel like something's broken. Something's wrong with them. You're trying to fix me. Something must be wrong. That's not what it is. It's allowing them to feel discomfort to be anxious, to be nervous, to, to feel anxiety, to all feel all those things and know that it's okay. Because the second they try to change that, they're going to create tension. And that's where the support comes in, being able to listen to somebody. Hey, I was really anxious about that. Oh, it's okay. That's what happens. We all experience that. There's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to fix that. And when they start to realize that, it opens up a whole new... Well, and I say to guys all the time, because a lot of the stuff we talk about or that I talk about with players is almost doing nothing. It sounds strange. But Hard to do. It, it, so, but that's why they say, well, that's not, I'm not doing enough, right? I'm not, you got to do something. Well, for golfers or any athlete, doing nothing is the hardest thing you can do. Because what happens when you hit a bad shot? What's the first thing you do? Try to fix it. Do right. something. What did I do there? Yeah. That's the number I one question every different. player says. So doing nothing is the hardest thing a golfer can do. So if you feel like you're being lazy by doing nothing, well, you're wrong because it's actually the hardest thing you can do, but it's also the most productive thing you can do. 
is to stay the course and to know you're on the right path and to just keep going. And it's the guys that are searching and fixing that disappear. It's the guys that trust and believe in themselves and have support and feel confident in what they're doing, regardless of the result, that actually end up improving the most. One of the biggest things I, I've learned watching and that I think players learn that, I've, that we've worked together with is the idea of how you have to be kind to yourself. Sure. And I've watched you with folks. I mean, look, a lot of young guys are volatile nowadays, right? Yeah. They They have, and you have all these expectations on them. And they compare themselves to their friends or other people that have come out and, and all that, and they beat themselves up. Yep. But the idea that you have to be kind to yourself and support yourself, mm -hmm. to me, is is one of the – for anybody listening that wants – like, if you're a – I mean, hell, I'm at the club, and I'm watch. I've gone out there with the big game group, and I've watched an eight handicapper who's not supposed to break 80 hardly <laughs> ever, right? Right. Beat the hell out of himself sure. because he makes a double. Yeah. Like, this is for anybody. I mean, and, and, and to me, anybody that wants to play better, I mean, like, if you could learn to be more supportive of yourself and kinder to yourself, it's got to help you play better. It does 100%. It's the most important skill I think you can develop because if you can't support yourself out there, no one else is going to. We can provide that support outside of the ropes, right? When you're doing work with guys. But once you're in that tournament and you're playing or you're playing in your club championship or you're playing your member guest or whatever it may be you're playing in, we just assume, and it's the ego, that we have to show other people that if we screw up, we have to like get mad because we don't expect that of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's like the n natural reaction. But just think about how easy golf would be or easier it would be if you knew that regardless of what you did, you would be okay. No big deal. I hit a bad shot. No problem. I hit a good shot. That's good too. God, it'd be so much, be so much easier to play. But because it's not part of athletic culture and we just assume that you're supposed to beat yourself up and slam clubs and get pissed off that that's how we motivate ourselves. Well, that's what guys do and that it just works against us. That's a constant resistance. Let me ask you this because I see it watching players. More so junior college players, but how many players slam clubs, cuss, do that stuff because they think they're supposed to versus it's what that's they really a great question. Do? So I think that that happens more times than not. I feel like emotion and slamming clubs and getting pissed off is perfectly normal and okay, right. right? It's when you think you're supposed to do that and then you do and then you think, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. Now you got a real problem. Because I've seen kids that, and I've seen adults, mm -hmm. a few adults. Yeah, it's not just kids. Yeah. A few adults at the club that, like, they've gotten yeah. in the habit of breaking clubs and throwing clubs because sure. they think it's cool, right? You say, guess what, dude? You're not good enough to hit exactly, a shot that right? you're, you thought you were going to hit. I mean, you're a mid-am that hits at 235. Yeah. You don't need to be breaking clubs, right? I mean, <laughs> no. like, like I, I see that stuff out there. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, because of the work we do, I wonder, like, is that really them doing it or is that? I think a lot of it is is not. I think a lot of it is just they assume we all want to look good in front of other people. So if we hit a bad shot, we want to show whoever's playing in our group that that's not good enough for us. Mm -hmm. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to act out so they see it too. It's like they think that by doing it, mm-hmm. it shows the other people that they're better than that, that they don't ever hit That's bad exactly shots. It. Like it's an ex- it's all it's all steep. You know, look, this goes way back into our development as humans. Our number one drive and goal as a human being was to attract mates, right? To to spread our genes. So to do that, we had to look good in front of other people. So we do care about what other people think about us, right? That's the normal thing. And we do, everyone says, oh, you're not supposed to care about what other people... Well, we do. We can't help that. It's how we are. Right. So there are some people who don't, really, but they want to show others that they do, right? So you hit a bad shot and you're, you get a partner and you're, you feel like you let him down. So you slam your club and you want to show them that you're really upset because you expect more from yourself. When in reality, nobody else really cares, but that's just built into our DNA. So the anger that we express is normal if it's authentic, right? You can't control that. When we get in a real trouble is when we start to question ourselves. Whoa, I'm not supposed to show emotion on the golf course. I shouldn't have done that. Something's wrong with me. And now that manifests and it builds and it causes tension. Get angry. Slam a club. If it's authentic, let it out. And that'll, you'll, you'll move on from that if you can accept that. If you think there's something wrong with that, though, you, you're going to cause yourself a lot of trouble. You know, one of the themes to me about this series of podcasts, let, I guess letting people inside the ropes and still not sure why anybody would give a shit what we're doing, but <laughs> right. But is I, I said in one of them, like I, one of the things I've learned is to be authentic, be me. Yeah, that's right. When I, I've had times in my career, where generally because of getting fired that I tried to be like other people. Right. Okay. Like thinking, so this guy left me for Mm so-and-so, whatever. I'm going to start being more scientific. Yeah. And then I've kind of come around and I guess getting older and whatever, you start saying like, the only way I'm successful is if I'm this way. Right. Right. And I try to be me as best I can be. Authentic. Best I can. So people are always asking, you know, one of the, Cordy, we've talked about this and, you know, is letting people know and I, what we do. And so everybody's, I get the question all the time. Like, so when you're at a tour event and you and Greg or you and Greg and Colby or whoever it is, what are y'all doing with a player during the week? And, and so, you know, I was like, a great example was, you know, Honda week. I mean, and, and I thought it was cool because. People that get all geeked up about that stuff would have been vastly disappointed. <laughs> right, right. But on the range, yeah. you and me, Lucas Glover, Mac Barnhart, Coop, just were hanging out watching a guy hit balls and having fun. That's right. That was authentic. But that was authentic. Yeah. We weren't trying to do anything different. And look, that's Lucas's personality. Look, everyone's different. And so this is why I think for teachers as well, like the best teachers stick with what they do. They're authentic. They know they can't teach everybody. Do you think teachers make mistakes sometimes? I mean, obviously we do. But do you think teachers, I mean, is it common to get off track and start trying to be something you're not? Yeah, I think it's no different than a player, right? You think you have to do something different. I think the best teachers are the ones that are authentic. They believe in what they teach and they prescribe what they think is right to their students. And if their students don't agree, that's not their fault. But when you start to adjust what you do based on what your student says, I think you get yourself into trouble. Like for me, I, I can't work with everybody. We, 
you know, I'm not going to connect with everybody. And that's, I understand that. And, and the guys I do, I, you know, we, we stay together, but I'm not going to change what I do because someone didn't agree with it because that's going to get me in trouble. It's going to, I'm going to start to question myself and question what I do. So I love the guys I work with and we have great relationships and I'll pick up other guys as we go and I'll lose guys as we go. But it's just staying authentic as a teacher, as a coach, even as, as a player. That's what I was going to say as a player. Because mm-hmm. I think that players, I've watched young players, not as much older players. Yeah. But I've watched young players come out and they're a certain way. Yeah. And they not have success. And they try to check, like a player that's just totally natural. I mean, just, you know, not a lot of technical stuff, not have success or struggle and become real scientific. And I'm sure it's the other way, too. I'm just using examples from my brain. But, like, I've seen people, they change who they are. And to me, that I don't know of a situation, and, and I mean, I'm very small sample size, but where that's they've gone to the better doing that. I agree. I think the best recent example is, and it just be, maybe because it was this weekend he won, it was Rory. He, you know, you read the, the media reports on Rory and you think, oh, I think this guy's horrible right now. Like, what's going on with this guy? But he hasn't changed. He, he He's sticking with what he does. Mm-hmm. And he'll win many, many more times doing that. If he starts to change and, and starts to listen and think, I have to do something else, it's going to be a problem. And there's guys that have done that. But I think he, he's probably right now the best example of a guy that believes in himself, regardless of what others tell him. Because he's not telling himself that he needs to do something different. He's continuing on his path and he'll be fine. I think that goes for teachers. It goes for, you know, performance coaches, trainers, agents, whoever. You, you gotta, you gotta believe in what you do. Know that you can't teach, coach everybody and be all right with that. And I think that's how you get better, and that's how you have a you know fulfilling long career. I think that's a perfect place to end this. That was awesome. Good stuff, Greg. As always, one I can't leave because I'm in room two eighteen <laughs> with you tonight. <laughs> I nowhere to go. So I mean, I'm stuck. <laughs> but uh, the retreats we do, you know, for all level of players, and 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 I haven't even told you this, but there's a lady in our club that came to the retreat that you remember that we did. Yep, and she still takes her 30 minute lessons every couple of weeks. You know, I don't really like to me, people always say, do you, you only teach tour players or whatever, or good juniors, but like anybody that really wants to get better, I'm pretty much, I love yeah. spending time with. Yeah. And so there's a lady who, as you remember, she didn't really break 110 or 120. Yep. I mean, she shot 44 on nine holes last yeah. week on the big golf course and sent me a note, you know, the super nice note about, yeah. How not just the golf swing, but everything, how she got out there and she got nervous coming in and did it. But like, it applies to everybody. And, and that's the cool thing. And so the retreats that we do and whether they're, you know, involving you as part of my team has been one of the greatest things I've ever done in my career. And so as, you know, I appreciate your help because not just with the players that you work with day to day, but as you know, one, you've kept me out of a psych ward. <laughs> Yvonne probably. <laughs> is the most beneficial of your work. She owes you. But also, I mean, you consult with me on so many players that you don't even work for where I bounce things off you. And it's such a huge value to me. Well, I I appreciate that. And and I agree with you. In fact, I I had a guy call me today. He's a 15 handicap. 
you know, he, he heard some of the stuff actually I did with Cordy and that's how he found me. And he said, well, I don't know if this is for me. Like, do you work with regular guys, regular people? And I said, work with anybody. We're all regular people. Everyone's regular people. If you want to find more enjoyment and fulfillment in golf, find yourself someone that, you know, a teacher you believe in or a performance coach you believe in. And I think everyone can benefit from the work. Awesome. Greg, thanks again. Thank you, Tony. That was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. There's one thing if you know about me, if you've listened to the Dew Sweepers, you've come to listen to me talk, is you know I'm big on loyalty. We give 100% here at the Dew Sweepers. We put a lot of emotional investment into everything we do with every one of our players. And the same can be said for our partners and the folks that have been with us for the long haul and help the Dew Sweepers, help our juniors, help us get to our tour players. And so I want to give a special thanks to our sponsors. Our sponsors are, first and foremost, Buick and our local Buick dealers here around the Southeast, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, who've been with me for over a dozen years, and their belief and support of what we do here with the Dew Sweepers. And lastly, the folks at Vineyard Vines. The folks at Vineyard Vines love what we do with junior golf. They support us on the road. There isn't a better family or group of people that are going to help us look our best, play our best, and have more fun than the folks at Vineyard Vines. So special thanks to our sponsors, Please support those as you get the opportunity. And for more information about any of those, check us out at dewsweepersgolf.com or you can always check me out on Instagram at the dewsweeper.